<laughs> Don't put that on the internet, boys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to be going uh, to the book of Titus today uh, for Scripture. Amen. Uh, Titus chapter 2, and uh, we're going to be beginning at verse 11 and read down through the end of the chapter. Uh, Titus chapter 2, and uh, verse 11 down through verse uh, 15 or the rest of the chapter. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is how it reads. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come today, we thank You and we praise You, God, for Your grace and Your truth. Thank you, God, for the privilege to be in your house on today. And we ask now that you'll anoint your servant right now for the next few moments, God, that we might deliver the word as you have brought unto us. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, God, in your blessed holy name. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I want to speak from a subject titled today, Living in This World and Preparing for the Next. Living in this world and preparing for the next. Um, I got home and um, from conference and uh, it seems like I had a a whole lot of stuff just kind of built up waiting on me to get back. Uh, I found, of course, that um, Sister Darlene had not gotten any better, and she was weaker, and uh, uh, I had to um, to deal with that. And I got a phone call that a, uh, a fellow worker, a friend of mine, had uh, had suddenly uh, died. Uh, she um, just a couple months older than myself. I'll be turning 55, Lord willing, if I live uh, in September. She had already turned 55. She had been driving the school bus for Metro for a little over 30 years. She started uh, almost after she got out of school, and um, it was kind of shocking. I mean, she just. They found her in the bedroom. She died one morning, just um, and uh, evidently from a heart attack. No um, indications or or anything. Her number just came up, and uh, it was kind of shocking. And I was thinking, contemplating about that. And uh, 
And then later on that day, uh, I got another phone call from another um, driver. And Mr. Sam, that's what, that's what everybody calls me uh, on the school bus uh, because the kids over the years picked up. And that's what my kids call me, Mr. Sam. And uh, so all the drivers and everybody kind of calls me that, Mr. Sam. I says, yeah. And uh, you heard about uh, Linda. I says, yeah, I heard her. That somebody called. So man said, they've been trying to get in touch with you. Uh, that uh, so they, uh, They're requesting that you uh, uh, preach the funeral. Uh, there's a, um, another man there. It's a bus driver also. They want him to do a eulogy. But they want you to officiate the services and preach the, preach the funeral. And um, I agreed and uh, told him I would. And um, uh, my heart was really going out to him because these were not church-going people. Uh, they were people uh, who, uh, you know, they were good people. They would they'd do anything for you. They're, they're fine people. Don't have, uh, you know... But uh, as far as having a relationship with the Lord, it uh, wasn't there. I got at the, at the funeral home that day, uh, well, yesterday, and uh, my heart was moved again because she had been there so long, and her husband is a mechanic. He, uh, he works in the shop on the buses, and he's been there. They had, um, they had taken the bus that she, had, she drove and cleaned it up, put flowers all around it and had it parked right in front of the funeral home. Uh, they had just bought a brand new, a white, huge wrecker that they used to go pull the buses when they break down on the road. It was parked behind it. Two or three service trucks all cleaned up white and shiny behind it. And on the, on the tail end even had the tar truck. <laughs> all the tars lined up across the back and everything had it all cleaned up. And uh, uh, it was... Um, it was something, uh, something to see with all the yellow lights and all the vehicles flashing everything. And, uh, and I was, I was stepping uh, on the porch there and, and, and just kind of looking over. And, and then, uh, uh, my friend stepped out and, uh, uh, he, um, Mr. Sam, he said, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to pull you in all this, uh, on a, such a close, uh, short notice like that. I said, uh, I said, sorry, Bill. I said, I'm honored to do it. I'm uh, happy to happy to do it. He said, now he says we says he said we're not we were not church going folks. He said uh, he said I wouldn't walk in one of them places. But oh, but we're Christian people. Um, you know what what can you say in a situation like that? I mean. Uh, undergoing stress anyway they are. And um, uh, I remember talking to this same lady a few months back when my brother-in-law, John, just fell dead to the same thing of a heart attack in his bathroom. My sister got up and uh, went to the restroom and couldn't open the door all the way because he was laying in the, uh, in the floor dead. And I remember pulling up my bus behind this same lady's bus a few months back at a school, and I got out, and uh, uh, I'd been off work the day before going to my brother-in-law's funeral. And 
uh, she says, what happened to you yesterday, Mr. Sam? And I proceeded to tell her. I said, uh, I said my brother-in-law passed away. I said, he died suddenly. He says, he just had a heart attack and went out. And uh, she said, uh, that's, that's a shame. Uh, she said, you never know. I said, that's right, you never know. So uh, I think it's evident right now, you know, all these things going on. Uh, it's had a lot to do with the message that I'm going to preach this morning. Because in this world that we're living, there's so much confusion about finances, so much confusion about uh, health care and this and that, and don't nobody know what to do there. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. The greatest confusion that I see in this world today is people and their souls. Because some kind of way, this nation, um, we we have we have raised a whole generation where the people honestly and sincerely just don't know what it means to be a Christian. It's everybody you meet will tell you I'm a Christian. Almost. Everybody. Yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, I believe in Jesus. Um, but there's not an understanding of what, what it is, what it really means to be a Christian. There's not an understanding. To, see, everybody today, some kind of way, you know, America has been changing through the last 15 to 20 years. We've been remaking ourselves. We've been evolving into something different. I'm not here to tell you, I'm standing at the same vicinity that I was standing back in 1970, in October 1970, when I first came in here and stood as a 16-year-old boy and stood on this platform and preached a revival for Brother Hell. I'm standing at the same place that I stood then, but I'm not standing in the same America that was back then. Hallelujah. I mean, we all have, we all want to feel good about everything. We all want to feel good about ourselves and and all and, and all this and everything. And uh, in our mind, I'm talking about the way that the people are thinking now. Everybody's automatically going to go to heaven when they die, no matter whether they live for God or not. Everybody, because of uh, uh, all these programs like Touch by an Angel and all this kind of stuff, they, when all these programs come on, say, hey man, this is good, we're having all this religious stuff ain't on TV. But yet, what some people don't realize, some of those programs... Amen. I've been putting some some bad ideas and doctrine in people's head. That's not biblically based. I mean, they got they got this one now about uh, uh, on Friday night ghost whisper, you know, uh, and uh, she is uh, uh, visiting the ghost of people who's died and helping them helping them to go on, you know, and and get into the light. And the sad thing about it is, the majority of the people believe that junk. 
And the Bible says in the last days that there would be a strong delusion where people would believe a lie and be damned. And we're seeing that. We're witnessing that. There's a lot of good people in this world. Now, I ain't even getting into my message right now, but I'm just... I'm just following the Spirit of the Lord. There's a lot of good people. These people I'm talking about, you couldn't ask for no better people. Bill would do anything for you in the world. He's helped me out a number of times. And so so is his wife. They're good people. We all know good people. We all got good people in our families. we're, We're friends with good people. Sometimes you might go hunting or fishing with good people. We work with good people. But if being good was all it took for somebody to get to heaven, then please somebody tell me why Jesus had to do all that torment and suffering and pain and dying. But people think because God's nature is love, He's going to automatically open the door to heaven and we're all just going to float on up in there. If that be the case, then our Lord died for nothing. He suffered for nothing. He bled for nothing. And we cannot allow ourselves to get trapped into thinking, and I'm going to tell you what's brought on this stuff. It's been churches. Brother Michael, it's been churches with preachers and teachers over the past several years who refused to tell the people the truth. They've been preaching all this easy believism. All you got to do is believe. And we've built huge churches. We, we have built mega churches filled with people who think all you got to do is believe and that's all I am. And because of that, we got Millions of people dying, lost. The thing you've got to figure out, and I've got to figure out, first of all, was this book written by man or was it written by the finger of God? A lot of people think it was just written by, by good old Jews. Amen, a lot of people think that. They don't have a knowledge of what this book says. That the Bible itself explains where the things written in here come from. That holy man of old wrote as the Spirit of God moved upon them. God used their fingers and their hand to print it down. But he guided them just like a puppet while they was writing. There ain't nothing in there written. There ain't even one T. There's not one dot. There's not one tittle or nothing that was written there and put there by a man's desire. It is 100% God. And literally the Bible says that it was breathed by God. The Bible says that the Word of God is inspired. Take the time to look up what that word inspired means. It means God 
breathed. Literally, God breathed on the pages. Hallelujah. And if you understand at all about God being a holy God, and that God cannot do no sin, that means, I'm going to tell you, you and I, we change our minds and our opinions a lot. Hallelujah. We all in here have been guilty of telling somebody that we're going to do one thing but wind up doing something else because we change our mind. That's why the Bible tells us that you should never do that. When you say anything, you should always say, if God's will, I'll go over there and help you do that next Thursday. That way, if something happens you can't, then you ain't told a lie. But if you don't put God's will on there and you don't do it, you lied to somebody. Hallelujah. God will not, because of His holy nature, write something in His book as a requirement for us to follow, to be saved, and then when we stand before the judgment, say, well, I realize you didn't do this, 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 and this, but you was a good old boy, a good old girl. You help people out. You was willing to give somebody the shirt off your back. And because of that, I'm going to let you in. If you believe that stuff, you're being deceived by the devil. Because it don't work that way. Never has, never will. I'm concerned about people's souls. If I wasn't concerned about people's souls, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. That's a whole lot of other stuff I could have been doing in my life that I could have provided a better life for myself and my family. Amen. A lot of other things that I've sold out completely for the gospel because I take this thing serious. God said what He means and He means what He says. Now, we'd have, we'd have talked to people in love, but we're to tell them the truth. Hallelujah. We are living in this world, but while we are living in this world, we are preparing for the next world. Hallelujah. And we're supposed to be preparing for the next world. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God, in His infinite grace and mercy, has granted to us who are living in this present world something that we call time. T-I-M-E. Time is a precious commodity. And in some ways, time is like money. Amen. Never had really thought about it like this, but time is a commodity. And in a lot of ways, time is like money. Because just like money, time can be spent, it can be saved, it can be invested, or it can be wasted. Amen. You got you got time here and you got money right there. Every one of us here this morning we have we have time, we have money. Now I'll let you figure out, you know, how much of what we got or whatever, but 
But we have, we have time. We have a certain amount of time. And we have a certain amount of money. And be it money or time, both of these commodities can be spent, saved, invested, or wasted. God has allowed us time in this present world to prepare for the next world. And that world will have no definition of time in any sense of the word. Hallelujah. We use a phrase all the time that's totally wrong. I use it. I hear everybody else use it. They talk about where are you going to spend eternity? There ain't no such thing as spending eternity. Eternity can't be spent. There's no such thing as time any kind of way or any kind of definition around it. None of us really understand all the full implications of that. We won't understand until we get into eternity. But there is no knowledge of a passing of anything. You just die. Hallelujah. You don't have a knowledge of passing of time. Hallelujah. I mean, there ain't going to be no watches there. You ain't going to be, be able to watch the long pastor's preaching. Hallelujah. But, of course, pastor won't be preaching there. Hallelujah. I like, I like what Brother Steve Peterson said one time. He came here uh, and did, uh, did some singing because he's always been, been a singer, you know. And uh, he came up on a platform. He said, you know, what? when we get to heaven, he said, i got an advantage of all y'all preachers. I said, how's that? He said, when we get to heaven, you're going to be without a job. I won't. There's some truth in that. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. We can only take advantage of time in this life. You can only take advantage of time in this life. Many people have the same problem with time as they do money. I told you time and money is alike. And a lot of people have the same problem with time as they do money. They think it will never run out or always be available. Hello? Amen. They, they think that, you know, well, this ain't going to never run out. I'm always going to have it. So they spend it on things of this world and never think about the next world. Hallelujah. When we spend our time, the majority of people spend their time, just like some people want to go to heaven, as long as I don't have to never go to church nowhere. But my always first response about this, I'm going to, t- is to tell you this, that how are you going to get there, Brother Paul? Because the Bible says Jesus is coming back after church, after the church. Not after people, after the church. Hallelujah. Now, just follow me just a little bit. The time that we have in this world should be used wisely so that all our hopes, our dreams, and our investments should not just be poured into this life, but we should always reserve a portion of our time in preparing for the next world. We're living in this world, but we're... But we're preparing for the world to come. So what that tells me is that world's going to be a whole lot longer than this one. 
I'm already realizing now I'm not going to be here as long as I have been. Amen. I mean, I mean, just just nature will tell you that. I mean, I'm I'm not going to be here as long as I have been. And this life is it's not even a drop in in the bucket compared to what we're talking about the next world and eternity. So, why should I spend all my time, invest all my time, save all my time up for things having to do with this earth and this world when that next world is bearing down on me and you both like a freight train? I told him yesterday in that funeral, I says, I says, all of us get so wrapped up in our everyday lives and living from day to day that we forget that death is hot on our trail. He's back there. He's a running to catch up with me. He's a running to catch up with you. Now, we don't think about it because we're up here ahead of him. We've always been up ahead of him for the present. And there have been times that we've cheated him. There have been times we've outsmarted him. And you know what I'm talking about, because there's some of you right here know that you should have been laying in the grave, dead yard, graveyard dead, as Brother Harrison you say. So, here we are, running our lives, spending our time, and we forget there's somebody hot on our trail, and it's death. It's death. And sometimes... We'll outsmart him. We'll trick him. We're able to outrun him. But you know something I've noticed? The older I get, the slower I run. I get slower. Hallelujah. And as I slow down, death speeds up. Hallelujah. And sooner or later, he's going to catch up with me. He's going to catch up with you. And he's going to say, got you. Now, where are you going to be at the time the death angel grabs you and tags you on the shoulder? It don't matter if it's been five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, fifty, sixty, seven, eighty, uh, ninety, or a hundred. But once death catches up to you and says, got you, if you've spent, invested, saved, done all of, all of your time on earthly things, what are you going to have then? What are you going to have? You ain't going to carry it with you. Job said, Naked was I when I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I be when I return. Hallelujah. Dust thy art. Hey, we heard a good message. Was you, did y'all hear that message about dust? Or maybe y'all, I don't know if y'all got there uh, and heard that or not. I'm gonna, man, I, that was fantastic about dust. I'm going to tell you, it was a great message. The Bible says, Dust thy art, unto dust thou shalt return. Hallelujah. So, People say, well, you know, you don't have no promise tomorrow. I'm going to tell you what, you don't have a promise at the end of this day. 
it's very well possible that somebody sitting right here, right now, that by, by the time the sun goes down, your corpse could be uh, in a funeral home. We don't ever know these things. We don't know. Like I said, we're out here, we've been, we've been out running death for a long time, so we, we keep a good distance ahead of them so we don't think about it. People don't like to think about death. I found that out when I tried working for a funeral home and trying to sell some people some pre-need stuff one time. No, they don't want you coming to your, their house talking to you about death. Imagine going, you sitting down on the couch and you pull up this big, big sheet of colored photographs of all different kind of colors and shapes of caskets. Which one do you, I don't want, oh no, I don't want, no, 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 no. Close that book at my house. I don't want to think about that. But see, that's the problem. We don't want to think about it. When all along he's, he's nipping at our heels all along through life. And sooner or later, He's going to catch up with us. We should be spending our time in this world preparing for the next. Hallelujah. We should be doing that. Amen. The time we have in this world should be used wisely so that all our hopes and dreams and investments should not just be poured into this life. We should always reserve a portion of our time in preparing for the next world. And believe me, church, none of us, none of us know the amount of time that will be allotted to us in this world. Nobody here, we, no, none of us know how much time that we got. Um, we ought to be investing our time that we have wisely. Um, I'm a firm believer that husbands and wives, they always, you know, you're going to have spats and arguments and everything. But let me let me implore to you those that are married. Those of you when you get up to go to work, one of you go one way, doesn't go the other way if one or whether one stays home or or whatever your situation is. Don't never separate from one another mad. Settle it before you separate. Because I'm going to tell you, this pastor's been around the block more than once. I've been preaching for 40 years. And I've stood at the head of a lot of caskets. And it's, it's bad enough when somebody you love dies. But it intensifies it and amplifies it, and you go. They go through much more suffering if somebody dies and they got something unresolved. I've seen them pour tears out over caskets. Honey, I didn't mean what I said. I was just angry. I'm sorry. One one time saying, "Oh, oh, honey, we always kissed one another before we left the house." I'm so sorry. I didn't kiss you that day because I was upset with you. I didn't know you were going to have a wreck that day. And you're going to be laying here. I've seen children literally have to be pried away from coffins and caskets. Mama, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. 
God knew what He was talking about, folks, when He said, don't let the sun go down your wrath. You don't know how much time you got. You don't know how much time you got. You don't know how much time the one that you love has got. And if you miss an opportunity today to tell them, to show them how much you care for them, you might not have an opportunity to do it again. We get too tied up in junk. We get too tied up in things that don't work nothing. We get our lives too tied up in stuff that wealth not on the bottom of the ocean is more valuable than some of the things we mess with. Because time lost can never be regained. Hallelujah. Time lost can never be regained. You ain't going to catch it up in heaven. You're not going to catch it up in eternity. Whether you go to heaven or hell, it ain't going to be caught up. It's going to be forever gone. We need... We need to... Live our life just like that, that song, popular song. I think it's a country song. It says, live like you're dying. We ought to live every day like we're dying. Because, you know, the truth of the matter is we all are. We all are. We think we're living, but we're actually dying. Hallelujah. And it's, it, it's coming quicker than what we imagine. I, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to close. Most of this message has not come from my notes. Most of it has come through the Spirit. In a, in a way of laying up treasure, uh, Brother Sean, I want you to be getting ready. Matthew 19, 16 through 22 to bring it up. Matthew 19, chapter 19 of Matthew, verses 16 through 22. I want to talk just briefly about laying up our treasure. Over the past several months, in this nation and also around the world, millions of people have lost their savings, their retirement, their homes, their vehicles, all kinds of material wealth. They have been left feeling lost, hopeless, and insecure over the future and are now living in fear. But there are a few people who are not overwhelmed by fear and torment over lost things because they have been invested not only in this world, but the world to come. Church, you never lose what you invest in heaven. You'll never lose it. Whatever you invest in the kingdom of God, you'll never lose. Matthew chapter 19, verse, begin verse 16. I want to read that. Hallelujah. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which 
which Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witnesses. Honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things I have kept from my youth up, what I like yet. See, this year, this right here, this man right here was a, was a real good church member. He had kept all of the law as it was back in that day. He followed the Ten Commandments. There's some people right now, they think as long as you keep the Ten Commandments, you're going to be all right. But uh, just keeping the Ten Commandments, being a good church goer, it's not going to get the job done. He said, all these things I kept from my youth up, what do, I, what do I like now? Go ahead in verse 21. Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast. Thank God we had a stuff sale yesterday. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? Most everybody still got much, much, much more stuff than what you got rid of. He said, sell that thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Go to 22. But when the young man heard that sin, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Uh, You'll be surprised how possessions is going to keep so many people out of heaven. And I tell you this all the time, folks. It ain't what you have. What you have don't hurt you. It's what has you that hurts you. It's not what you have. It's not what, let me put it this way. It's not what you own, it's what owns you. It wasn't the fact that that rich young ruler owned a bunch of stuff. But it was the stuff that owned him that made him walk away sorrowful because he couldn't part with it. He thought he had it, but it in turn had him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a song that the Sheltons used to sing. Sister Dolly and I used to sing it also when they wasn't around and we wasn't with a song, uh, didn't have a singer with them. And the second verse of this song says, When it's time to depart from this old body of mine, I don't want to own one thing that I can't leave behind. I just want to be free to sail through the sky and I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. Hallelujah. I don't want to ever own nothing. And maybe that's why God hadn't allowed me to have much down here because maybe God knows me better than I know myself. Maybe He knows if I was to get certain things, maybe, maybe I'd let those certain things get me. I don't know. 
But I don't, one thing, it ain't, it ain't worth trying to see. It's not worth trying to see. Hallelujah. I don't want on nothing that if I walk out of here today, Brother, Brother Dallas, and it's pouring down and raining, and I see somebody out there on the street that don't have, don't have a shirt or have a coat on, that I'm not willing to take his off and give it to him. Hallelujah. Let's not let that stuff get in our way of God. We're preparing for the next world. We're preparing for the next world. One other thing I'm going to talk about, and then we're going to close. And that's living a godly life. And this part of it is what I got from what I had to go through yesterday. Uh, I want you to get ready to have Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 put up on the board because I'm going to go through this speedily. Titus chapter 2, 7 8. Um, in preparing for the next world, living in this world, preparing for the next world, I told you when I opened up my message, everybody thinks they're going to go to heaven. But folks, we have got, not to just say we're Christians, but we got to bear fruit of Christianity. We got to live a godly life. I can't say I'm going to heaven if I go out in the world and I do and I do what the world's doing. Hallelujah. I've got to let the world see Jesus in me. I got to be a light. You got to be a light. We got too many people, especially we got a lot of younger people coming up through the church. They're getting a little bit too crazy and overboard, claiming, well, we gotta reach this and we gotta reach that, so I gotta I gotta do this, 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 and this just like they did, so I can get involved with them, so I can save them. Well my God, what are you gonna save them from if you're out there doing everything they're doing? That's the devil goddamn people thinking, well if I do this, this, this like they do, if I look like them and I talk like them, I can win them, that's bull and hogwash. I don't know what you're winning them to. You ain't winning them to God. Because somewhere along the line, people don't realize that you've got to change your life to follow Jesus. You've got to deny yourself to follow Jesus. You've got to pick up your cross and follow Him. I read to you my opening text that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness we, and, and, and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. God expects you, if He has saved you, He expects you to live like you're saved. Now, He's a reasonable God. The Bible says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy though, acceptable of God, which is your reasonable service. He don't ask you to do nothing above reason. Let me explain that. He knows that we got human nature. And part of human nature, we have this thing within us that we're 
we can fly off the handle, so to speak, and get a little agitated. God's not a unreasonable God. And if you get upset and you get mad about something, guess what? God will give you a little slack on that, providing you take care of it quickly, you don't let the sun go down on it, and providing that you don't act all crazy with it. What do you mean, Brother Sammy? Well, I'm saying this. It's one thing that if I get upset and I get mad at somebody, and then I get upset and mad with them, and like everybody else out there in the world who don't claim, uh, who are not right with God, start cussing and swearing, amen, uh, and, and bawling you out that kind of way. If you still got that tendency and if you got a problem, you need to get back to the altar and ask God to get a coal from the altar in heaven and touch that tongue of yours and sanctify it. It's one thing a child of God will get angry. But a child of God that's Holy Ghost filled, you might not do it right after you get saved, but after you, after you live for God a while, there should be some spiritual maturity about you, and there should be no three and four-letter words coming out of your mouth, because the Bible says, do not let no filthy communication come out of your mouth. you got a problem that you better get settled in this world to prepare you for the next world before you like happen like my friend who got up and fell out dead. Before you have it, and you die before you hit the floor, and that means you you gone, brother dies before you have a chance. Ask God forgive you for you messed up. You see, folks, I don't know where you realize now, but this kind of message is not getting preached in churches today. Hallelujah! It can't be because people wouldn't be so confused about thinking everybody's going to go to heaven. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Fall of peace with all men and wholeness without which nobody shall see the Lord. We've got to live a holy life. When we mess up, we've got to get it corrected. We've got to live godly in this life. Listen to what Titus 2 and 7. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine showing incorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may, may what? May be ashamed, having no evil thing. Here's my final word. Brother Darrell, I want you to get ready to sing. It says that he that is of the contrary part, may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say about operations. God, what, what is actually, what, what is actually uh, Paul meaning here when he wrote Titus' letter? How was, you said, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that, that he is of the contrary part, may be ashamed. When you leave here today, you go out into the world, you go on your job tomorrow, live in your neighborhood, go to a family reunion, other family members in your, uh, 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 of your family. 
You're supposed to be living a life that everybody else around you that's not living right will, be, will feel ashamed of themselves for the way they live. And if your life is not causing people who are not living right feel ashamed of themselves, then you're not living close enough to God. And I'm not talking about having a chain hung around your neck with a sign on it with a cross or a fish emblem. Or a run around one of them uh, horns said, I'm a Christian, I'm saved. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just simply just living your life and letting your light shine, not sounding a trumpet, not... Uh, uh, not having a cross so big hung over your neck that you have to walk like this. But let other people know you work with. Just by the way that you live your life, they say, I might not be able to put my face in. Something's different about that person. Something's different about them. I noticed they didn't handle that situation like everybody else would have. Hallelujah. I've had, I've had people tell me, said, said I, I'm amazed at this. Said, man, if that happened to me, said, said, I'd be cussing and carrying on and have, picking up a stick and ready to hit somebody in the head with it. I said, well, let's go in my life a few years. You might, you might see that a few years ago. But by the grace of God, not by me, but by the grace of God. Hallelujah. I've laid some of that stuff down. Hallelujah. And... That's what we all supposed to be doing is live our life every day where people's not doing right. They'll look at us and they might not say it, but they thought they'll just have have a shame. Hallelujah. Because you know what? There was a time in my life that I kind of went through a little backsliding sliding stage and I got I got cold. I uh, I was missing a lot of church because I was working uh, working more than one job, trying to make ends meet. I wasn't pastoring, and uh, I went through a time I wasn't get, getting called to go preach revivals every weekend. So um, my life was involved in this, and man, I got uh, uh, I got cold on God, uh, and uh, was was getting a little little way. Things was not, and uh, you know what you know what woke me up and got me. Got me to thinking and realizing I needed to straighten myself up in a hurry because I seen the way some other people was doing made me ashamed of myself. Made me ashamed of myself. I said, boy, you know better than that. Hallelujah. And we need to live our life where we're making people ashamed of us. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. If anybody needs prayer, Brother Darrell, sing the song. Let's worship the Lord. Jesus Time is filled with swift transition And all of earth and move can stand Build your hope on things eternal Oh God's unchanging hand 
to do something this morning. Yes, hope to God's unchanging hands. Hope to God's unchanging hands. And build your hope and make your turn. So the God is completed and if to God you have been true open and write the home in glory yes your enraptured soul will view 
changing hands. 